Let's turn our Bibles to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2. I do appreciate your prayers for me over these last couple of weeks. Thank the Lord. I feel like I'm doing better. It may not sound like I'm doing better, but I, I definitely am feeling like I'm doing better. And I appreciate your prayers that have had a part in that happening. Hebrews chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. I want to preach this morning on neglecting the so great salvation. Let's pray. Father, please. Please speak to hearts today. Please, dear God, deal with lives. There may be people here that have never received this great salvation. I pray that this morning they would see that eternal life, forgiveness of sins, being able to live in eternity with our God is available through this wonderful salvation that you have provided for us. And Lord, I pray for believers today. God forbid that we should neglect this great salvation that we have, for we ask it all in Jesus' name today. Amen. Now, we are bombarded all the time with being able to get something for nothing. Let's face it, everybody's having contests. We're bombarded with TV shows where people are giving away thousands and thousands of dollars, and every year, CBS, NBC, ABC, they add some new game shows on to get people excited about winning more money. Uh, it's all about getting prizes. And you know, with all those TV game shows that they've had on, maybe you have seen one, I have not, where somebody won a boatload of cash only to say, ah, I don't want it. I don't want it. I mean, after all, they're on there because that's what they want. They want a boatload of cash. They want more money, thinking somehow that that's going to make their life better. And yet it's amazing, especially when you get to this matter of the lotteries, how many people that their lives were only made more miserable because they, were, they, they participated in a lottery and won a whole lot of money that ended up destroying their lives. In spite of those testimonies, people don't normally give it back. They don't normally give it up. As a matter of fact, they'll keep buying tickets to try to win even more money. There was a story of one man, true story. He threw his winning ticket in the garbage thinking that he had lost. He found out that he had the winning number, and so he spent a week at a city garbage going through it, trying to find that one ticket. He had to have the ticket and uh, never did find it. Of course, Publishers Clearinghouse for years has been promising opportunities. I think today, I, I think they're up to like uh, $7,000 a week for life. Well, that meant something when I was only 40. It doesn't mean much now at 74. I don't expect to live all that long. You know, they wouldn't be losing much on me. That's just the way it is. 
Uh, but millions, millions want to get that. And boy, they just wait, you know, when it comes that time of year where the publishers, clearinghouse people are going to come knock on their door or on somebody's door. If they see a sign like that, they are set to receive it. Nobody pretends like they're not home in a situation like that. I did read about one man, though. His name was uh, Michael Crabtree. He turned down $16 million in winnings from the Texas lottery. Now, that would be really unbelievable, except when you learn the reason he turned down the $16 million in winnings, he thought it wasn't enough. So he wasn't going to take it for fear that that would be all that he would get. But people desire for these, these big paydays, thinking somehow money's going to do it. There was a man by the name of Keith Nicholson. He won 426,000 pounds, that's European money, in the British soccer pool. He bought a luxury home. He lost all of his friends, was killed in a car wreck, and a car bought with the winnings. The state took a third of uh, the money that was left in estate taxes, and there was only enough money to give his wife 25 pounds a week for the rest of her life. That was it. The man lived in misery. John D. Rockefeller, one of those famous old Americans of many, many, many years ago, said, I have made many millions, but they have brought me no happiness. Andrew Carnegie made the statement, millionaires seldom smile. And yet, I dare say, if we were to walk the streets of Madison, Alabama today with a van following us with a big sign, uh, the first 10 people that come up to us will get a check for $100,000. It wouldn't take long to give it away. Now, some would stand back and watch to see if the first couple people that came up got it, but they'd stand close enough so they wouldn't have to miss it. There's something about, boy, a big prize like that, that would change our life. That, listen, I've got something better than that. He talked about it here. He says in verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? This is something, of course, that money cannot buy, and it's a whole lot better than money. <clears throat> I mean, after all, the truth is, you could get a call today saying you have won so many millions of dollars and then die before you even get a chance to cash the check, and it didn't do you a bit of good, except probably be the reason that you died from a heart attack and the excitement of it. But you get eternal life. You think about this, the salvation that God offers, uh, that's when it comes in, is when you die, you get an eternity with God and no hell, no torment, no suffering of the damned, free forever in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's marvelous. And yet we go around often and we offer people all the time so great salvation. And people say, I want to think about it. I'll think about it for a while. And some have plans of not doing anything about it until they get on their very deathbed. And then maybe they'll go ahead and give that a shot. And yet God doesn't give you that option. I mean, he says, my spirit will not always strive with man. I got saved in 1971, so you can figure it out. Since this is 2024, how long I've been saved. I was 22 years of age at that time 
when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Not being brought up in a Christian home, of course, I didn't know about so great salvation. I had heard about Jesus, but to me, he was just a religious figure. I did not know that he was the Son of God, did not know that he went to the cross of Calvary to die to pay my sin debt. As a matter of fact, I really didn't think my sin debt was all that big. I figured one day I'd stand before God and he'd put all my good works on one side of a big scale, all my bad works on the other side. The good would outweigh the bad. God would let me into heaven. There is no scale. And the Bible says all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. All those good things that I thought I would do, the Bible says, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But in 1971, when I received Christ as my Savior, I received so great salvation. I wonder why more people are excited about that. You know what's really sad? There are people seated here today who have accepted God's so great salvation and you're not that excited about it. Maybe, just perhaps, if God's people, those who have accepted so great salvation, acted like it was the great salvation God says it is, and lived like that salvation was the greatest thing that they've ever experienced in their life, maybe more lost people would want it. So great salvation. I went through 20 years not knowing anything about it, 22 years not knowing anything about it. I came to know him as Savior, and that absolutely changed the entire trajectory of my life. Everything has been different since then, all because of this great salvation. I want you to notice this so great salvation. First of all, its description. It's called a great salvation. Now, you might ask, what makes it great? I mean, after all, isn't that just another religious thing? And no, it's not just another religious thing. I'll tell you what makes it great. What makes it great, first of all, is, is its author. Its author is Jesus Christ himself. Understand, salvation was not man-made. It was God-made for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It's his plan. It's not man's plan. It's his plan. He is the one who bought and paid for it with his blood at Calvary. He offers it to us freely. All we have to do is turn to him for the Bible says, he, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life. It's his plan. You want it, you got to take it his way. You can't take it your way. It is so great salvation. You can never have come up with the idea of this great salvation on your own. Couldn't have happened. This is not how man thinks of things. But this is God's plan of salvation. It's the same for everybody because its author is Christ. Its captain is Christ. If you look down at chapter 2, beginning in verse 9, it says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, 
crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste of death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things, by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. And he is the savior of that wonderful salvation. For the Bible says in Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So great salvation because of who it is that is its author, its captain, and its Savior. But it is also described as a glorious salvation. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 10, he says to obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, it never gets old. It never gets old. Do you realize the very fact that the church of Jesus Christ meets on Sunday? The reason we assemble together on Sunday is to commemorate, uh, commemorate the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. He rose from the dead three days later. We meet together. Sunday is called the Lord's Day in the Scripture. Why? Because we do need that reminder that he did all that for us. We deserve hell, but this glorious salvation. Listen, even if your health isn't everything that you'd like it to be, even if your financial situation isn't what you want it to be, if you have salvation in Jesus Christ, it never gets old, it never gets done out, inflation can't wipe it away. Listen, this is the most precious thing that you can possibly have in all your time on this planet. It is a glorious salvation. Not only that, God calls it a common salvation. In Jude 3, Scripture says, I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. What does that mean? That means it's the same for everybody. You know, at Madison Baptist Church, we have people from so many different places around the world and uh, we've got, I don't know how many different languages now. I think at one time we counted, we had about 17 different languages spoken by people who attended Madison Baptist Church. Of course, we've got a few people that, that speak three, four, or five languages. But, uh, but nevertheless, 17 different languages. And we used to mention that, hey, on any given Sunday, we could win people to Christ in 17 different languages. And I, I think that's pretty good. Of course, now we've got I translate, so we can win them to Christ in all kinds of different languages. Doesn't anybody have an iPhone? Did not anybody get that? You don't even have to speak in those other languages to be able to give the gospel today. Just speak in English iPhone will take care of it for you. Translate it right into that language. Boy, I tell you, mess me up. <laughs> but it's a common salvation. That you really say, well, I'm a Baptist. I got news for you. Baptist, Methodist, Nazarene, doesn't make a difference. Everybody has to accept the same salvation or they die and go to hell. You don't get to make up your own salvation. As I've already said, it's his plan. It's a common salvation, and he did it so anybody who wants it can have it. 
Bible tells us in the very last invitation in the scripture in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 17, and the spirit and the bride say, come, let him that heareth say, come, let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says, but as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. It doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter what your financial status is. It, it doesn't matter how tall you are, or how thin you are. Or how, it, it doesn't matter any of that. Whether you're, whether you're just in perfect shape or you're like me, a big bone person who just can't lose weight. It is... It is a, everybody's got an excuse for not being what they think they'd like to be. Isn't that right? And I've just got big bones, heavy bones. Anyway, it is a common salvation. You want to go to heaven when you die? You say, well, yeah, man, I, I, I want to go to heaven. Well, God's provided a great salvation a glorious salvation that is a common salvation. I don't care where you go in the world, you've got to accept the same salvation that anybody here has to accept. Now, we, we bring a number of people in on buses every Sunday and have for years and years and years and years. And it doesn't make a difference if people come from the projects or if they come from a $20 million house. The only way to heaven is through the same salvation. It is common to man. There, there is no other way to get saved. Man has to realize, first of all, that he is a sinner. For there is no difference for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, well, I'm as good as those church members down there. Uh, you've got that wrong. You're as bad as those church members down there. You understand there is no church member going to heaven because he's good. None. Anywhere, Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't be good enough to go to heaven. It can't happen. You got to see yourself as the sinner that you are, deserving the judgment of God because of your sin, and recognizing that Jesus Christ is the only one who has ever obeyed all of God's word and that his sacrifice is the only one good enough to pay for your sin debt. It's a common salvation. You say, well, what would I need for that? You need to come to Jesus by faith. Philippian jailer fell down before Paul and Silas and said, what must I do to be saved? His answer was clear. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. By the way, it is a salvation from generation to generation. Isaiah 51 and verse 8. My salvation from generation to generation. You say, but preacher, we live in 2024. Yeah, and you have to take the same salvation that people did in 24. And the same salvation that people did in 124. And the same salvation that people had to take in 154. The same salvation that people had to take... In 1024, you see, the, this common salvation is from generation to generation. It has not changed over all these years. The gospel message is still the same, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried, that he rose again the third day 
according to the scriptures. Now, the reality is, uh, let's face it, you go back, well, let's go back just a few centuries. Let's go back 15 centuries. And the reality is those people didn't have, for the most part, near as much messes to get into as what we have today. And people who love the Lord, they spend a lot more time spending time with God. We've got too many toys. We've got too many things going on to keep us sidetracked. Uh, these people spent a lot of time, but guess what? You got to get saved the same way they had to get saved. Even way back then, no change, exactly the same. I don't care who you are today. I don't care what you've done in your life. You come to the Lord Jesus Christ and he'll give you eternal life with that same salvation. Let me give you an example of how old this message is. Go over to the book of Romans chapter 4. In Romans chapter 4, the Apostle Paul has written to the church at Rome to remind them that salvation has never been about their works. And he goes all the way back to the time of Abraham. Now, when you're talking about the time of Abraham, you're talking about uh, probably 2000 B.C., maybe a little bit before that. Uh, but uh, right around that time, maybe a little bit later. But notice, he says this in verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father is pertaineth to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Do you realize Everybody has always gotten saved the same way. Old Testament, New Testament, faith in the Son is what it takes. He's not done. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. You see, Abraham... Believe God's promise of a son. The difference between the Old Testament and New Testament believers is simply this. In the Old Testament, they look forward to the son who's been promised to be the sacrifice for our sin, Genesis 3.15. In the New Testament times, we look back to the son who came and died for our sins at Calvary. He is the one who has provided so great salvation. It's an eternal salvation. He promises everlasting life. So here it is, so great salvation. It's called glorious. It's called great. It's common. It's from generation to generation. It is eternal. Thank God it does not end. And he says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? You say, well, what does it save us from? It saves us from our sins. Matthew one twenty one, when the prophecy was given to Joseph that Mary was going to bring forth a son, he says, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Get this. For he shall save his people from their sins. You see, that's it. It's, there's always been a sin problem. It's a sin problem. It's why we need the Savior and he came to pay for our sin. In Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 5, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, 
we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our own man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. He not only sets us free from the bondage of sin, he sets us free uh, also, well, he sets us free from the bondage of sin, but also from the penalty of sin. And he sets us free from the uncleanness of sin. Isaiah 1.18, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And guess what? He sets you free from the devil. You know, the world talks, it's funny, they, they want to talk a lot about the devil. And then when some Christian says anything about the devil, they want to deny there is one. But the devil is very, very real. However, as a Christian, we're not told to fear him. As a matter of fact, Jesus has gotten the victory for us over him. In Hebrews 2.14, for as much then as, ye as, as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We don't walk around fearing Satan. There is one that we are to fear, and that's God. If you would fear God, you would accept Christ as your Savior and receive so great salvation. Not only that, he saves you from wrath. According to Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, but God commendeth his love toward us. He says, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And he saves you from eternal death. This is a great salvation. You would think having so great salvation that we would want everybody else to know about it. And we would want everybody else to hear about it. Because how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Somebody's got to tell them. That command's been given to us. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So great salvation. You say, well, is that all it does? Forgive sins? No, it does a whole lot more than that. As a matter of fact, just a few things very quickly. Number one, you are made complete in him. This world thinks somehow you're going to find completeness in meditation. Not going to happen. Oh, yeah, yoga has helped me tremendously. No. Uh, first of all, that's of the devil. That's not of God. And the devil's there to ensnare you, not to help you. You want to be set free. You want to have a real peace. Well, that comes in Jesus Christ. We are made complete. Do you realize <coughs> everybody he saves, he saves them completely. Now you're complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. He didn't save just part of me. He saved all of me. Completely. I'm completely taking it. This is a great salvation. I don't have to buy some add-on. You know, you go out, people go out and they get these expensive computer games only to find out if they want to go deeper into the games, they've got to buy an add-on. And then they got to buy another add-on. Guess what? For salvation, there are no add-ons. He does it completely. Amen. This is a great salvation. 
Why would anybody spend time looking for man's substitutes when you've got the full thing in him, he promises to satisfy. He does that to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. He said to the woman at the well, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. What a promise. He said in John 6, 35, I'm the bread of life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. What a great promise. So this great salvation, promising to satisfy, promising eternal life, and there's so much more. And we don't have the time in one message to give all the things that are found in this wonderful salvation that we have. Now that leads me to say a few things about salvation's delineations. You say, preacher, what do you mean? First of all, how you can't get it. You can't get it by being good enough. Bible says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. By the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. You see, your good works just won't do it. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Galatians 2.16, not by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Jesus said it's not by physical birth. He was talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And Nicodemus said to Jesus, he said, We know that thou art the teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. So Jesus answered Nicodemus. He said, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now Nicodemus should have known what that meant, but he, he either didn't or he was playing dumb, one of the two. So he said, well, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now get this. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not, I said unto thee, ye must be born again. That first birth doesn't take you to heaven. You need the second birth, the spiritual birth, in order to go to heaven. That's the birth that we've been talking about in this so great salvation. You must receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Your works can't get it, and your birth can't do it. Well, my mom and daddy are saved. Well, that's wonderful, but their salvation doesn't save you. You've got to be saved. It's a great salvation. You can have it freely like your parents got it if your parents are saved. That you, you, but you get it the same way. And you can have it, but you don't get it till you take it. But as many as received him, to them give you power to become the sons of God. Say, well, the Philippian jailer got it pretty plain. He said, what must I do to be saved? And the answer was clear. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's in him. Now that's pretty plain. That is, matter of fact, I want you to turn there. I, I, I want everybody to turn there. Turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Now you'll notice all the verses that I've read, all the verses I've quoted out of the, are out of the King James Bible. They're not hard to understand. 
God didn't write that book to hide things from us. He wrote it to reveal things to us. And especially this matter of salvation. Do you realize if God didn't want everybody to get saved, he'd have just wrote it in a language none of us could read, and then nobody gets saved. But he wants you to get saved. So he's giving you the scripture in very plain language. Notice this, John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus is the one who is speaking. Jesus saith unto him, I am, notice very clearly, the way, doesn't say a way, Jesus is not one of many ways to get to heaven. He is the way to heaven. He says, I am the way, notice, the truth and the life. Now, to show you how clear this is, look at the rest of this verse. This is not hard at all. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You cannot get to the Father through Buddha. You cannot get to the Father through Muhammad or the God of Islam. You cannot get to the Father through the many Hindu gods, the millions of Hindu gods that are out there. There is one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus made it so plain that he leaves no room in this matter. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You see, if anybody could get to the Father by any way other than Jesus Christ, then nobody could get to the Father by Jesus Christ. Because there's no way a liar or a deceived person could take people to heaven. What he told was the truth about the way so you could have the life. You must receive him. What a great salvation. In 1971 at WAOP radio station in Otsego, Michigan, I bowed my head and I asked the Lord Jesus Christ to save my soul. That moment, I stopped trusting in all the things I thought were good about my life because I realized there was nothing good. I was going to hell and I deserved it. And I simply took Christ. The Bible says that he saved me. That's enough. Now, Let's go back to the passage because there is so much more here. But let me give you this. I want to speak to those who've already taken Christ as their Savior. I want you to notice what he says again, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard, them, heard him, God also bearing them witness. Now, wait a second. Yes, it's true if a lost person neglects to receive the salvation that's offered in Jesus Christ till die and go to hell. And for all those who accept his salvation, you're going to heaven no matter what. 
But he's also given a warning because we are going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. All right, I have eternal life. I have all of its promises that are there for me. God forbid that I should waste my time on this earth by neglecting that great salvation. Let me see if I can give you an idea. I am, I, I, I'm, I'm com- practically computer illiterate. I, I know enough about a computer probably to have everything stolen from me. When I get a computer, I want one that'll do everything, but I'm just too lazy to learn how to do everything. Is there anybody here like that? Yeah. You know, for some, we want all this power, and I don't know if it has power or not. I know it takes about the same length of time for it to boot up today as when I only had 20 meg hard drive. So I really can't see time-wise where that's helped me out any at all. And I don't care what kind of computer that I've gotten. All of them have eaten up documents that I have created to never see the light of day again. They've all done that. But I I really, honestly, I don't want to read another big book that I'm going to forget what it says the next day when I have to get back into the program or if like it's Word, Microsoft Word, used to be Word Perfect is what I used. And every time they'd update it, I'd have to read that book all over again. Because they changed things. I hate that. So what I would do is just have somebody that knew how to do the things that I needed done. And I would say, just show me those things. Now, here I would have a computer that supposedly could do all kinds of wonderful things. But all I got out of it was just those few little things that I would learn. I neglected. The negative is how much you paid for the computer. You don't learn how to do it. You can't do it. And I know they make him idiot proof, but I'm a smarter idiot. Brother Michael? Guess what? There's nothing out there that's idiot proof. We can all mess up on those things. So as a result, I'd have this really nice computer and people go, ooh, ah, it does this, it does that. I don't even know what they're talking about. I've neglected the power of that one particular device. Now, maybe a little humorous. Maybe it's cost me some money that I didn't need to spend. Maybe. But I want to tell you something. To neglect all that you have in Christ can give you a lifetime where you don't get to enjoy all that God has for you. Now, yes, you got your sins forgiven. Yes, you're going to heaven. But there's so much more to the Christian life than that. Do you understand? There is so much more. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. He will, either he will hate the one, love the other, or else he will hold to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And there are a lot of Christians who are trying to hold on to as much of the world as they can and still live for God a little bit. Those are not happy Christians. They get upset every time somebody says, no, you shouldn't do that. 
and they are miserable. They're going to go about and prove all the different things they can do. They really become like Demas in the scripture. Remember Demas? Demas was a man who had served God. He had worked with the apostle Paul. But the last testimony you have of Demas in the scripture is this. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. May I say that was a poor trade. That was a poor trade. All that he had in that wonderful salvation that he could enjoy throughout his entire Christian life and walk, he threw it away for a few more days with the world. What a shame. May I say that his testimony, unfortunately, seems to fall in line with more Christians than does the testimony of being sold out to Jesus. I know when I got saved, and we've got people here that when you got saved, you fell in love with Christ, you live for Christ, your desire is to serve him, your desire is to glorify him. Hey, listen, that's the way to keep from neglecting so great salvation, making it count all the way to the end. Now, you say, well, what's the incentive behind that? Because after all, I'm going to heaven. He doesn't take it away. I have eternal life, so why not get that little piece of the world that I want? Because the scripture says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for the things done in this body, whether they be good or bad. We're going to give an account to our God when we stand at his judgment seat. So God forbid that we should neglect so great salvation. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I still remember back to that Saturday evening when you saved my soul. Hallelujah. The eternal life that I had these years of walking with you, and I know there are numbers of believers here today that just smile when they think about it. The change you made in their life. But, oh God, there are folks here, first of all, that don't even have salvation. And they could today, simply by faith, coming to Jesus, they could get that eternal life that is only found in Christ. I pray they would. Pray for believers today that they decide that they're going to make a decision, that this great salvation they have, they'll get everything out of it they can. They're going to live for you completely, see your might, see your power in tremendous working and accomplishing things for the glory of God. Lord, have your way in every life today, I pray. In Jesus' name, with heads bowed and eyes closed, how many can say, well, thank God, preacher, if I died right now, I know I'd go to heaven. I've been born again, and I know it. Praise the Lord. Would you slip your hand up as a testimony to the Lord? You know you're saved. You know you're going to heaven when you die. God bless you. Thank you. Put your hand down. Now, if you couldn't raise your hand, listen to this Bible verse says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe in the name of the Son of God. Listen to me. God says you can have eternal life and know it. Is there someone this morning anywhere in the auditorium, heads are bowed and eyes are closed, who simply by lifting up your hand, you'd be saying to me, Preacher, I don't know for sure if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. But I sure don't want to die and go to hell. Please pray for me. 
Would you slip your hand up? Would you do that where I could say, God bless you, thank you. I see that hand. Somebody else, yes. All right, God bless you, yes. Somebody else, somebody else. A couple of people have raised their hands. Preacher, pray for me. I just don't know for sure if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. Please pray for me. I'm going to pray for you here in just a moment. Are there some Christians right now? You say, preacher, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven when I die, but the truth is I'm neglecting so many of the wonders of this marvelous, great salvation that I have in Christ. I'm ashamed. God's dealing with my heart about some things that need to change in my life. Please pray for me. Would you slip your hand up, child of God? Would you do that? God bless you, yes. In the center, in the back, God bless you. On the right, yes. In the back also, God bless you. Now, Father, Lord, you don't make us make decisions. You don't, you don't make a lost person turn to Jesus. If they want to have you in eternal life, they have to make that decision to trust Christ. I pray there'd be some that would do that. There's at least two here that are concerned about their eternal destiny. I pray they decide to come to Jesus today. I know if they do that, that you'd save them. You've promised to do it. Father, I pray for Christians. You've dealt with some Christians who are, Lord, ashamed before you that they're not living for you as they should. God, I pray they might come and use the front as an old-fashioned altar and get some things right with you. Just have your way in every life, I pray in Jesus' name.